You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation. The financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new Toronto Centre podcast. First, let me introduce myself. My name is Jean Lorrain, and I'm the Securities Advisory Board Chair at the Toronto Centre. We have with us today Mr. Eric Tedin, the Chair of the Task Force on Sustainable Finance within the International Organization of Securities Commission, better known as IOSCO. Mr. Tedin has been the Director General of Finansinspektionen, the Sweden Integrated Financial Regulator, since 2015, and is also a member of the Management Board of the European Securities and Market Authority, ESMA, and he further acts as member of the Government's Committee for Technological Innovation and Ethics, which is called COMET. Mr. Tadine has previously been CEO of KPA Pension, State Secretary of the Swedish Ministry of Finance, President of Nasdaq Omex Nordic Stockholm, a strategist at Broomer and Partners, Deputy Director General of the Swedish National Debt Office, an analyst at JP Bank, and finally a trader analyst at Sveriges Riksbank, the Swedish Central Bank. Mr. Tedin will today talk to us about the various initiatives of IOSCO on the issue of sustainability, with which he is quite involved. Mr. Tedin, welcome. We are very happy to have you with us. Thank you very much. Let me start a bit with past work that was done by IOSCO on the subject of sustainable finance. In 2018, the IOSCO board created the Sustainable Finance Network and designated you to chair it. The purpose of this network was to provide a forum for members to exchange experiences and gain a better understanding and discuss various issues. As such, my understanding of this task force mission was not to recommend any standards or practices. A final report was tabled in April of this year. Can you tell us about what the network reported to the IOSCO board, and what were the main findings and recommendations contained in that report? Uh, thank you very much for, for this question. No, I think the, uh, the there was a growing acceptance that we realized within the board, which consists on then of most of the, the securities regulators in, in the world, that sustainable finance is not only kind of an add-on, in fact, something that is critical to, for uh, for regulators and for markets. So, so that was, I guess, the, the main reason that we started to work in this network. And uh, basically, the discussion was about, firstly, like, started out with listening into what stakeholders thought and what, what our different members thought about sustainable finance and its role in, in let's say, capital markets and in the end, also for securities regulators. 
And I think yeah, there, there was a very strong response to that network. It was growing big interest, of course, in, in, the, in the members of IOSCO, but also stakeholders from the outside who actually have been calling for IOSCO for some time to be more engaged. So I think definitely there were yeah, a great interest. And I think the, the main findings, and we'll probably come back to it later on, from, but the main findings was that uh, there was a lack of reliability of data and disclosure. Uh, there was a, an increase in risk of greenwashing, partly because of the, the lack of a consistent disclosure. And I think many uh, of the stakeholders that responded actually said that there is somebody uh, kind of phrased it the alphabetic soup of the standards. So basically, it was a fragmented disclosure standards. Uh, and um, some of the stakeholders that responded to our networking, who we discussed with, basically said that we need to have some kind of global interaction from a globalization in order to, to make this more, more comparable. So I think that was the kind of the, the main finding. I think yeah, from, from that, we, we had an ongoing discussion about how to take it further. So this April report mentions that the uh, IOSCO board decided to create a task force which is mandated to work on sustainability-related disclosures for issuers and also to work with other international organizations. As you mentioned earlier, that's an issue to avoid duplicative efforts and to enhance coordination and conduct case studies analysis. That's my understanding of the task force mandate. First, maybe before we go and, and discuss this mandate, do we understand that the network that you chaired still exists or not? No, I think it's, it's formally exists because that's basically a broader forum where we do a lot of information sharing. But uh, I think for more practical reasons, the, the network at this logic then kind of transformed itself into this task force. Okay, so considering this new task force, can you tell us a bit more about the work that you will be mandated to do and how it is targeted? Because, as you just mentioned, the nature of the mandate seems to be very wide. So can you tell us a bit more about that? I think the, the mandate is broad, but it's, yeah, I think it will be summarized in, in, in two issues. One is to address the, the area of the transparency. As I mentioned, this was one of the strong reactions we got from the outside world that the transparency disclosure is key. Uh, and, and then, of course, thinking of the, the role and the statutes of IOSCO, to promote investor protection. So basically what we did was to set up three work streams, one on sustainability related disclosures for issues, work stream one, which is headed by uh, UK and, and Spain. Uh, and then we have another work stream on investor protection and greenwashing, which is uh, run by our colleagues in Hong Kong and actually Ontario. Uh, and then works in three on CRAs and ESG ratings and ESG data, which is handled by ESMA, uh, as you mentioned, the, uh, the European uh, kind of joint securities uh, regulator uh, together with Japan. So basically what we tried to do is to, to, to address the various questions that, that arose. And what you could say about these different work streams that they are, of course, interlinked a lot. Because if, you, or you, if you're trying to address investor protection and greenwashing when it comes to asset managers, which is one of the focus areas of WorkStream 2, of course, uh, that is dependent on a, a reliable uh, and comparable disclosure on the issuer side. 
And of course, the same goes for, for ESG uh, ratings, which also rely in the end on, on, on a proper disclosure. So I think all, all these are definitely relevant. Uh, and what, I, what you could say that the guiding principle from the board was that we should involve and should, we should engage and we should have a driving role in this, in this work. So it was not to say that we should do it by ourselves, but we should do it in, in a collaborative way with other players. Uh, and for sure, uh, this has, you know, the, the momentum and the interactions and the kind of interest in what we are doing, and not, of course, not only what we are doing, but the whole area of ESG and especially climate has grown significantly uh, since we started this in 2018. Thank you. Uh, considering the three work streams that you're tackling, I understand that, for example, in the work stream one, which is, I think, on disclosure, you are expected to try to coordinate with other type of organizations or other organizations that are involved in trying to standardize disclosures. Can you tell us a bit more about which organizations that you've targeted with your work stream and how the IOSCO task force mandate is being received by those organizations? No, no, exactly. So this was not set up when we set up the passport. But basically, there was a, you know, uh, involve, engage, have a driving role. And we said that would probably be, be relevant and be correct to work together with private standards setters and others. Actually, uh, during this, uh, let's say, a little bit more than a half year since we started the passport, it's been a very strong, as I say, momentum in really strong development. So... In September, an alliance of five global leading standard setters, the CDP, CDSB, GRI, IRC, and SASP, so this is a part of the alphabetic soup, uh, announced a commitment to working towards a comprehensive corporate reporting system. So basically what happened was that then these five uh, realized that in the end, we can't be five or 10 or 15 or 20 different standards that we, we need to unify in some way. And they had this letter of change, which actually brought uh, some, some attention from the different stakeholders in this, in this system. And at the same time, it was actually also some initiatives from the IFRS trustees. And I think IFRS, a little bit like, like IOSCO, to be, to be really honest with you here, Jean, is, uh, said basically said that, uh, well, this is a growing uh, area. We are working with disclosure, financial disclosure. We need to engage in this as well, because otherwise, you know, this will be taken over of, of you know, standard setters that maybe uh, don't have the same public interest and, and, and governance structure that IFRS has. So basically what has been happen happening since we started is that the, the private or semi-private standard setters is working together with IFRS, uh, who is, again, the, the governing body, you could say, uh, for the financial disclosure, and also more and more together with IOSCO in order to see, is it possible to create a second leg of IFRS, which is, as somebody phrased it, non-traditional disclosure rather than non-financial. But, but anyway, they, they kind of away from the traditional financial disclosure into ESG disclosure. And this is what we are right now are working with. So that's basically what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis now. But just to get a better sense of what IOSCO is involved in with those groups, you're working with five of them that you call the alphabet soup organizations that are involved in standardizing reporting together with IFRS. So 
you're working with all those organizations together to try to develop something that would be common to all. Is that correct? No, I think it could differ a little bit on depending on who you speak to here, but I think definitely uh, that uh, it's, it's going to be this what, what we call as a building block uh, approach. So not all of these standards are kind of aiming at the same things. So I think you need to realize that there might be different, a little bit different angles to it. But, but generally speaking, try to align these standards and try to bring it into the governance structure. And why this governance structure is so important is that in the end, we, we are aiming to get a system which is have the, the, the governance structure that is trusted with a strong uh, kind of also influence of, of the public through bodies like uh, the, the IOSCO and SEC and the EU Commission and others. So the, the idea is to, to bring that structuring and in the end also to make this reporting auditable. So now the reporting that you see, uh, disclosure you see when it comes to ESG, it is basically not audited. So there is a big risk, which you also found out in our work uh, so far, for cherry picking and, and uh, that basically is not comparable. Uh, I think to, to uh, both work on the content side, what, what information and how should it be presented and based on what data, that's one leg, and the other one is the governance structure, how to set up a governance structure that is reliable and that in the end could be trusted by markets. It looks very interesting, and it seems to eventually be able to provide some clarity in the process that we're all seeking about disclosure on the ESG issues. So thank you on that. Let me jump to maybe another related topic. You recently met with Mark Kearney, the UN Special Envoy on Climate Action and Finance, on sustainable finance and the relevance of disclosures during the recent IOSCO board meeting. Can you tell us a bit more about any initiative that comes out of that discussion? Or if you want, can you tell us a bit more about the nature of that discussion? Uh, sure. Uh, I think you know, if we have many private or semi-private standard setters involved in this, we also have a lot of public bodies and, let's say, uh, public regulators uh, or initiatives that also are involved in this. And I think that was something that, of course, uh, Mark Carney, as well as I and others, realized. So we had uh, Mark Carney at, at one of our board meetings. We do interact with him and his team on a regular basis because... Not only is it the standard set that the IFRS and IOSCO working together, but increasingly we're also working with the Marconi's team in order to, to uh, be able to present something that is um, viable at the COP26 meeting in Glasgow uh, in November next year. Uh, so he attended the, the board meeting. I think, generally speaking, he is, of course, pushing for more comparable and harmonized disclosure. Uh, in order to basically allocate capital in the correct way. In the end, this disclosure thing is not only disclosure, of course, it serves a purpose. And the purpose is to allocate capital away from, let's say, non-sustainable into sustainable, away from coal into wind power, if you like. And their disclosure is an extremely important factor. Uh, so he's working on that. He's trying to bring us along with that. And, and he also uh, strongly, I think, and, and uh, supported that I also uh, and the work we are doing in this and also referred back to the fact that 
uh, IOSCO was one of the driving organizations to establish the IFRS some for financial disclosure some 20 years ago. I think yeah, what we have now is, uh, and which is actually especially good with working with, with Mark and his team, they have a deadline. They have a deadline, Code 26, which pushes everyone in this system to actually make something happen, uh, some concrete uh, things happen to the November meeting. So it's a collaboration that would bring IOSCO pretty much in the same direction as Mark Carney and his team. That's my understanding of what you said. Is that correct? Yeah. Good. Let me ask you some what may be a uh, what may feel to be a controversial question. What is the status of ESG and sustainability reporting among IOSCO members? What are their views on potentially imposing mandatory reporting of it? As you may understand, there are a lot of pressure from somewhat many parts of the industry to have that type of mandatory disclosure getting on. What is the status right now about that and what do you expect to be? No, but I think, you know, to some extent, without being impolite here, Tom, I think the question is a little bit wrong phrase because it's not ha as we are having a vote in the board, should we have it mandatory mandatory? Because we don't know what we are talking about. So the first thing is, is to understand what is ESG reporting, what is reliable ESG reporting, yeah, what are the demands from the capital market, what, need, what needs are there for a global coordination. And that exactly the questions that we're looking into now. And, and hopefully, in the end, we will have a architecture and disclosures that are so relevant uh, and so, let's say, natural uh, that the question of mandatory will, will not be uh, controversial, will be more like, you know, this is probably natural to have uh, in the disclosure standards around the globe. But you should also realize that uh, there's a lot of different approaches also on, let's say, regional level throughout the globe. So, of course, as you might know, the EU is pushing ahead very, very strongly with their, you know, the Green Deal and, and the new disclosure standards for the European Union. And there are, of course, also initiatives in other jurisdictions. So I think what we could hope for on the global scene, and which I actually been discussing also with the European Union representatives, is that we don't have one standard for Europe and another one for, let's say, North America and the third one for Asia, but rather that we have some common ground and that common ground can then potentially be this uh, standards uh, on architecture that we're working uh, around right now together with IFRS and, uh, and the standard setters. But to, to answer your question, if I would ask the question now to add mandatory, I think many would say no, and some might, might say yes. And we know that also if you look globally, uh, UK is going for, um, you know, they have some kind of way anyway to, to introduce TCFB as mandatory. New Zealand took the same decision. Uh, we will in Europe probably go in the same direction with the new uh, directive coming soon. But uh, within IOSCO, I think now, uh, work on the content, work on the governance, see if we can find a common ground, and then the question of mandatory will be the relevant one. So that would be somewhat the path of about bringing all the people together in the same direction, because it seems like it's almost a patchwork at this point. Yeah, exactly. So I think if, if, you, if you manage this, I think for many jurisdictions, the answer will be given that we should have some kind of common ground, 
and uh, let's see where we end up in. A team of the Growth and Emerging Market Committee produced a report in 2019 with what looks like what could be a very concrete set of recommendations on reporting and sustainable finance and commended that they believe the ASG matters are affecting them today, so they need to act more quickly. So they set a number of recommendations in their report that have been sent to the Emerging Market Committee and also tabled with the IOSCO board. We're more than a year later and the task force recommendations still stand in some ways. Considering those recommendations, what is the status of those within the, those countries and what is ongoing right now about them? No, I think we need to put this report out. You know, of course, read, read the report. I think you definitely acknowledge here that the developing countries within IOSCO, which is a very, very large group, they, they are ahead of developers here. They are pushing this agenda much, much more than, than uh, we from the uh, developed part of, of the group have, have done so far. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, one reason for that is that they see, uh, of course, sustainability issues, you know, many countries are even more relevant there than they are for, for us living in Sweden, especially when you look at the social side, but also, you know, the, the potential effects of global warming, of course, in some of the emerging countries are more devastating than maybe in the, in the northern hemisphere. Uh, so that's one, one angle to it. But also then, I think they, in some countries, they have this... Uh, goal within their, their framework in their, their supervisory authorities to develop the market, to, to kind of the, make the capital markets grow, let's say, which is not in our mandate, for example, and many of my peers in the developed world and in Europe don't have a mandate to develop markets, but rather to supervise markets. So if you want to develop markets, of course, green finance could be a very, very important tool. And I think uh, in, in that sense also, uh, this has been more important for the developing world. And, and, but, but the status, I think this is uh, you know soft recommendation. It's not hard recommendation. It's taken by the GEM committee. It's not taken by the full board of IOSCO. So I think that is something that is, I think when I talk to my, my fellow board members from, from countries in the, in the developing world, they say that these recommendations are extremely important when they argue and discuss internally what, what kind of green agenda they should have in their uh, different jurisdictions. So, so I think it has had an important role. In IOSCO more broadly, it is definitely has pushed the rest of us uh, to do more when it comes to ESG. And here I, I definitely uh, salute the Emerging Market because they were, were pushing the rest of us here. We're almost at the end of our podcast, but I would be remiss not to ask you these questions that I think most of our listeners will have. At what stage does the work of the task force stands now? And when do you expect the task force to be able to finish its work and table a report to the IOSCO board? As you may have guessed, there's a lot of expectation about this work and report. No, I think uh, we are in a very, very intense period now. And in the next couple of months, I think we will start to write kind of the, the reports uh, like before the summer, and they should be presented to the board of IOSCO in, uh, in October uh, next year. And so they are ready for the COP26 meetings. 
Actually, the third world came on ratings have a little bit longer timetable. But, but on the disclosure side, we hope to present something that, that could be useful in communicating ahead of the COP26. And, and then hopefully something that is are aligned with uh, the initiatives from the standard sectors, IFRS, and for that matter, also the uh, initiative taken by Mark Harley. Well, Eric, on behalf of the Toronto Centre, I would like to really thank you for your participation in this podcast and for all the answers you've provided to us, which are giving us a better understanding of the work being done by IOSCO on this important topic of sustainability. So thank you. Thank you very much, Ron. Thank you to our listeners and audience for tuning in today. I'm Jean Lorrain, and you've been listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Thank you. Thank you.